Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, what's going on, everybody? It's your host, Will, coming back for a new episode of the Hunt Stand Podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking about deer drives. This is a subject that I am super foreign to. Don't know much about it and never done one. Uh, seen it on TV and on YouTube a couple times, but just haven't known much about it. And so we're going to be getting on John Lewis from Just Hunt Club on here because this is something they do around this time of year. You know, deer seasons are wrapping up across most of the country. And so this is a time of year that it's okay to go tromping through the woods with strategy behind it to try and put a lot of meat in the freezer, or some folks may have capability to shoot a buck during these deer drives. So it's a different strategy, different tactic, but at the end of the day, it's hunting, and I'm eager to learn about it. So if you haven't yet, y'all, make sure, rate, review the podcast for us. Greatly appreciate the support. It really helps us out when y'all do that. Also, if you haven't yet, make sure you have the HuntStand app downloaded. We've got free, pro, and if you want to unlock all the features of HuntStand, upgrade to pro Tail today. So I'm going to quit talking, and we're going to get right to it on Deer Drives with John Lewis. Matt, you ready to get going? I'm ready. Is it John or Jonathan? It's, I go by John, but it's actually Jonathan. Okay. If you know. want to make me sound more sophisticated, you can call me Jonathan, I guess. Well, but it's like John. Pe- <laughs> people ask me all the time. They're like, is it Will or William? I'm like, depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking yeah. to my mother or my wife, typically it's William, it's William when I'm in trouble. Yeah. Otherwise, it's Will the rest of the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, dude, you ready to get this thing started? Yeah, let's roll. Well, John, welcome to the Hunt Stand Podcast, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. It's absolutely. been a long time coming. We've talked about it for probably... Since you start, when did you start it? Uh, two years ago. I'm a hundred years ago. Yeah, I'm like 150 episodes in now. I think. Yeah. I did one with Brett, uh, last year. I think. That's right. I okay. Uh, did you? Yeah. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember the topic we did. I can't remember it right now. I think I don't remember. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> deer right. hunting. It's definitely deer hunting, which we're yeah, here, that makes sense. We're here to talk about today, and we're going to be talking about deer drives. But before we do, man, what I like to do is get the guest to kind of give the listeners what I call a thirty foot tree stand view. So kind of like you know that thirty thousand foot view, just like. Telling us a little bit about yourself, man, and yeah. how you've gotten to where you are in life. Oh, that's a hard one. I'm here to I listen. How, I don't know how I got here, but I, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in southeastern Pennsylvania um, through high school. My grandparents had a dairy farm, which we had like, say, like 150 acres to hunt, which was a really big chunk where I grew up. We were about an hour northwest of philadelphia yeah uh, so hunting was pretty rich through my family mm-hmm. um different type of hunting um you know like we hunted because well one for food but also we were kind of like the you shoot the deer because the deer eat the crops that we feed the cows you know type 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 hunting as well yep. but, um you know i my uncles hunted my dad hunted um when I was younger and then, um, or before he had kids and then he got me into bird hunting a lot. Um, waterfowl was a big passion of mine still is. Mm -hmm. Um, we did a lot of that. And then really, I mean, I thank my mom a lot for getting up at, you know, (laughs) crazy hours to take me, take me to the farm to hunt before I could drive. Um, and it was just always, you know, a, a passion of mine to, get away besides sports like it was pretty much hunting and sports yeah. um and then i went to college for wildlife conservation um no i don't even remember what i what my major actually <laughs> how, was how old are shows you? How much, yeah shows how much that that sunk in um i'm 31 now okay so we're the same age yeah that was a while ago yeah i graduated high school in 2010 so i feel you dude yeah um and then ended up getting i got the uh i was real interested in in like habitat management and just management in general so i reached out to bill at midwest whitetail because i always saw that they did those the videography internships and i didn't really have any interest in that i was just kind of like you know i had a flip phone you know kind of just not not up to the times in that in that uh matter but uh I asked him if I could come out for my school internship and basically work on his farm. Yeah. And, you know, food plot stuff. And I got out there and ended up, you know, doing a lot of that, but more like having a camera in my hands, learning how to edit from at that time. It was Aaron, Greg, Drew Yarkowski, and Pat McSherry, I believe were the full-time guys there. And then me and Eric Barber were the interns. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, long story short, I ended up with a camera in my hands, learning how to edit and then worked there for that entire fall, moved back home. He offered me a job to do waterfowl stuff for Cabela's dropped out of college, started chasing ducks and geese all over the country and producing that stuff. Heck and then yeah. here we are now we don't do that anymore. And then we started just hunt club in 2020 okay so this is our third year basically when so we did a lot of like just contract work for um different companies so we you know build 
the entire video and then hand it off. Yeah. But once when COVID came through, all those things just went and disappeared. So that's where kind of the Just Hunt Club came from. Cause we had already been doing all the work. We just handed it out. Obviously we got paid for it. So we just kind of brought it all in and here we are now, three years later doing what everybody dreams to do, I suppose. So that's, I guess your 30,000 foot, view oh how we got here (laughs) now we're in new york and basically you know our let me shut that off um basically our bread and butter area is the northeast that Mm -hmm. was kind of our our envision was trying to bring a light to the hunting heritage out here and like the possibilities that are here because we have so many hunters out here but never really saw a lot from this part of the country it was yeah. always very western midwest yeah south so it was kind of like hey here's we have all these guys that are doing this type of stuff in the northeast like let's showcase it so that was kind of where the uh the idea formulated Dude, so heck yeah man now 31 years old dropped out of college and you're doing this full-time now yep yeah 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 so we have like just hung so i have a media company called cold front creative yep. that's so we do you know some other work and then mm-hmm. just hunt kind of within that that's the main thing i mean that's what takes up most of the time which is great what do you think 15 year old john would think of where you're at now uh i mean i always my mom always said i said i wanted to do this for a living but i don't really remember that that mm-hmm. much like I maybe I I probably said it, but like never thought it was a reality. You know what I mean? Or it could yeah. be a reality. Um, fifteen-year-old John probably was thinking of about lots of other things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, same sports here. Were really big growing up. Um, were you a football guy? Basketball. Basketball. Okay. Yeah. So I used to play a bunch. I played just about everything, but once I got out of once I got into high school I kind of zoned into uh to that and that was like my my thing um and I ended up getting hurt my junior year and I tore my ACL and blew my knee up and then that was kind of that and then it was like really getting I I hunted you know growing up a lot but once I got to college that's when it was really like this is what I'm going to do Just all the time. Up. Yeah. I'm going to build my schedule around hunting season and yeah. probably not go to class if I would rather go hunting. <laughs> and that's what I did. Dude, that's freaking awesome. I, I always, I've always thought to myself, I was like, man, if I ever went to a school, like, cause Texas, we don't have public land. That's just like right. readily available. Like, I don't know how many points I've built up and I still haven't ever drawn a tag. Uh, mm-hmm. If I would ever gone to a school like out west in Colorado or something or Midwest where I had some like public land, dude, right. I, I would have been in some serious trouble. Mm-hmm. Dead serious. Yeah. So I lived that farm that I was telling you about. So I lived there when mm-hmm. I was in college. So it was oh, like shoot. right out the back door. What so university went, did you go to for a little bit? Uh, so I went to Delaware Valley okay. University College. It was a now it's a university and that was right in southeastern pa um it was the only college i applied to i was like i'm either gonna get in here or i'm not gonna go yeah so (laughs) um 
so yeah, so my deal was it was my grandparents' farm and we fixed up it was the original house there. And it um our deal was you were we worked on the farm and that was our rent. So we, you know, we did did stuff on the farm, but then we hunted a lot. Yeah. As much as we could. Um and uh yeah, we just that was pretty much it. That's what life kind of revolved around back then. Um, yeah, I guess it still does today to an extent with a little more com- staring at the computer, but, uh, but yeah. And then I went to Coble skill, which is in New York mm-hmm. and that's where I, I went after I did that internship because they had a really good program that was way more hands-on and stuff like that. And I made it there for like a semester. I always say I was I, I I went to school there for a semester, but I drank there for a year. <laughs> Dude, isn't that the truth, man? Isn't yeah. that the truth? It's like I went to school to get a math degree, and obviously I'm not using that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say I am in some ways, but yeah, not yeah. not at all. I was I was in fundamentals of algebra as a freshman in college, so math wasn't really my uh, my forte. <laughs> Well, dude, math in college was so different than it was in high school. Like, I, I was actually talking about this with my wife the other day. Um, we took some, I took some class called abstract algebra, and uh, I, I ran college tracks. So one of my teammates was in there with me. And day one, there's like 30 something people. Day two, there's like seven people in there because it was in one of those <laughs> whiteboard rooms. Yeah. And we joked because we got to the end of the semester, there was like five people left, including us. We went and bought a giant jug of sangria, mixed it with Mountain Dew that night, took that final, and somehow we passed the class. <laughs> Don't ask me how. It's kind of like you. Like, you're there for a semester, but drank for a year, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. You could do that a lot more when you were 21 and not 31. <laughs> yeah. When I logged on and saw I got to be on that final, I'm like, dang, I should have done that for way more. more often. Of, I should have yeah. done that for more of my tests, man. Like, ah, yeah. did better. Yeah. Ugh. Well, man, what I wanted to get you on here for today is something that is totally foreign to me. Uh, Never really done this before. And we're talking about deer drives. I want to know about them. I want to know how you do them, uh, what you do them for. I mean, what kind of property, you know, let's talk about safety Mm -hmm. measures and everything. I mean, let's just get into it, man. I mean, let's, let's talk about deer drives and do they still work? Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, from my perspective, I've seen, I've done them in a lot of different scenarios. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, well, to answer the question of, do they work? Yes, they do. 100%. Uh, And I think kind of, I think people look at them as like, oh, it's just a, I'm not speaking for everybody, but it has kind of a misconception of it's just a bunch of jagaloons running through the woods with guns slinging bullets here and there and uh, it's it's different you know it's you can look at it as any hunting style um you know it's a craft and there's a lot a lot of things that go into making successful deer drives yeah so you can't just go out and walk through the woods and expect to be successful um you know when i where i grew up it was fairly flat ground uh, you know, small wood lots, brush lots, whatever that may be, you knew where the deer were going to be. There's no other place that they could be. Yeah. And then, you know, we get up into, you know, the hill, hill country and stuff like that. And that's a completely different, 
different realm. You're not just going to pick a piece of timber and walk through it and push deer around. You have a lot more things that you got to calculate and think about. Like, Mm -hmm. are we going to shoot deer? Are we going to shoot bucks? Are we, you know, what's our end goal here? Are we just trying to shoot deer? Are we trying to attack this on a level of, we think there's a good buck here. Where is he going to go when we bump him out of here? And how do we cover all those places to the best of our ability? Um, I think that comes into play a lot with like your hill country stuff. Like, you know, what we do in Ohio, um, you know, we haven't done a whole lot of it in New York, but you know, it's Pennsylvania and the hills of Pennsylvania, they're huge. Um, and people have a lot of success doing them. Um, New York, we do, we do a lot of them, but it's not, we don't do them in the big woods scale. Um, a lot of that stuff's, you know, brush lots, um, smaller timber chunks, CRP fields, stuff like that. And when we're attacking those, like we're trying to shoot deer, we're yeah. not, we're not, we're not selecting. And we're trying to shoot, obviously your end goal is to shoot a nice buck, but we're not yeah. attacked for the mindset of, Hey, there's probably a buck, you know, on this point. Um, so I guess that's just like a kind of a big scale think about around, you know, the different styles that I've been a part of anyway. Um, See, and I mean, the, the thing for me, like being in Texas, like I always looked at it like, cause it's so different that I looked at it from the scope of like, is there like a special season for these things? I, um, are they illegal in some States? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know how any of that worked, but then like I told you right. before we podcasted, like we went to Oklahoma and we were camping in an area where we had found ton of deer sign behind and we did like this mini <laughs> deer drive and I'm like, okay, I can see how this can work. But I mean, like, so you're saying, can you do this pretty much any part of the deer season? I guess, depending on what state you're in, what rules and regulations are or tell. Yeah. Tell me I mean, I don't know of a place you can't, but that doesn't mean that there isn't. Right. Um, you know, obviously it's a big, it's way more common during gun seasons. Um, I mean, you could do them with a bow, I guess. Shoot, we already have a hard <laughs> enough time. I want to, but, yeah. you know, I've heard of, like, you know, more, like, wind bumping or something like that with a bow. Like, the other thing is, you know, people are, are thinking, when I say, like, go back to saying, like, a bunch of jagaloons running through the woods. Yeah. And we're doing them. We're not trying to scare the life out of the deer. Yeah. You know, like, we're not taking cowbells and hollering and hooting and banging trees or anything like that. We're just basically working through an area with a group of guys trying to ease those deer along we don't Mm -hmm. want them busted because you're not going to be effective with that you know one it's not great shots to take if you're not confident and you don't want a deer running mach 7 through the woods past you so um with a lot of that that does come into play you think about the wind a lot more how do how do we work through this where the deer are probably going to smell us before they hear or see us Mm -hmm. and they just try to scoot out the back door and we have a guy waiting for them to to slow you know come right through i mean a lot of the deer that we shoot on these drives they're moving but they're not running you know yeah full speed through the timber or through an open field um so but yeah i mean as far as being able to do them at any time as far as my knowledge is yeah um it's a big part of hunting heritage and the i would say especially like pennsylvania pennsylvania is huge i mean they do them for for deer they do them for bears i mean you'll get bear drives where there's 30 guys you know pushing out a huge chunk of timber trying to Mm -hmm. push out black bears 
Um, you know, so. that's such a, that, it, that is such a big heritage thing. Cause like when you're talking about earlier, you know, when y'all started just hunt club and like wanting to bring more awareness to how, you know, you know, just hunting in general to the Northeast, right? Like that mm-hmm. was the common misconception that I had like growing up. It's like, Oh, they just do deer drives up there. Like that's, right. that's all they do. I'd, red flannel, blue jean and the, and the flow orange, right? Like that. Right. It's yeah. a, it's a big part of the heritage up there. Like you're saying yeah. big yeah. time. I mean, it's, it's similar to like, tracking when you get into new england yeah you know like that's a huge part they're not i won't they're not doing deer drives and stuff up there because there's not that many deer mm-hmm. you know but like we're also not doing a whole lot of tracking in pennsylvania or southern new york we might yeah. do some you know adirondacks and stuff is is a different ball game but um you know i would say those drives are you know big wisconsin pennsylvania mm-hmm. those high like high deer camp type atmospheres where you have a lot a lot of gun hunters um you know pennsylvania growing up until just a couple years ago we used to get off school for opening day deer season so that was a holiday in our state yeah always used to open the monday after thanksgiving and they changed it last year or two years ago to saturday but yeah it wasn't that it was a holiday for us we would get off that monday um after thanksgiving for for opening day of deer season Dude, I didn't even so, get that in Texas. What the heck, man? Yeah. yeah what yeah. the heck? I don't know. Like, there's a lot. That heritage is very, very deep. Definitely. You know, specifically towards towards Pennsylvania. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a really effective way to kill like a lot of deer. Mm-hmm. And also, if you go about it in a formulated manner to kill a really nice buck yeah um i think we like jake and uh hunter who was one of our interns last year they went out to the ohio deer drives with uh the hunting public guys like the big ones and our buddy shane went out too and we do those every year and they killed jake killed a buck i think they killed four bucks in you know three days out there and like two or three pretty dang nice ones um, and that's in, you know, that's more of your big timber type, type setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. we, um, in New York last year, we killed a really nice buck on public and, you know, a handful of other deer. Um, and usually, you know, that's in a, in a day or two mm-hmm. of doing them. Um, I think the biggest thing that you got to think about is who you're doing them with, mm-hmm. how you're doing them. And like you mentioned before, the safety aspect of it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that was what I wanted to get into first yeah. before we talk about like, you know, you're talking how these are formulated, you know, mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's a lot of people involved with stuff like this. So, I mean, is there like a head honcho that's directing this thing? Like you have yeah. like a ringleader, like what are safety precautions and, you know, yeah, leak, I guess, uh, regulations when it comes to hunting. Like I've seen guys mm-hmm. with hunter orange vests, you'll have like, I guess I hunter identification numbers on the back depending on what state you're in some of those but yeah talk talk to listeners about safety just in general yeah yeah so new york certain zones you have to have back tags okay which i think like one of the only states left that you have to do that okay Um, and then the hunter arms requirements are just different for every state Mm -hmm. new york didn't used to have them (laughs) what which is crazy what 
that's like a newer thing in the last couple of years. No. Yeah. What I mean, it? we always did it, especially with drives. But yeah. Like, um, yeah. So one off the bat, if your state doesn't have hunter orange requirements, wear blaze orange when yeah. you, if you're doing deer drives. So number one, that makes make sure people can see you. Yeah. You know, um, as far as a head honcho, that's a big part of it. You need a guy that's very direct and says, this is where you're going. This is what you can expect. This is our start time. If you don't see us by this time, you know, either stay put because we're running behind or yada, yada, yada. We got, we're going to meet here at this time. If you don't, if we slip by and you don't see us, which is a bigger, bigger thing, you know, in that bigger woods where you don't have, have, uh, have a cell service or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can use walkie talkies, but you can't use them to say, Hey buddy, there's a big buck running at you. So like, that's something that can be helpful just for communication aspects as far as like, Hey, we're through the drive. Where are you guys at? Meet us here or whatever. Um, But having a guy that is in charge of all that is definitely a big part of one, it gives people a direct, if I'm talking mm-hmm. directly to you, you don't have this other guy talking to you and this other guy talking to you. It's going through me. So you're less likely to be confused. There's one cook so, in the kitchen. Yes. So if, if you know, Matt is the guy that's talking, you listen to Matt before you go out, Matt gives a rundown. If you're going here, show it on the map. And then the biggest thing I'll say that takes a little bit of time is when you're sitting there and you're a sitter mm-hmm. you feel like it's taking forever a lot of times just stay put don't move like you're gonna see him come through if most likely more times than not he didn't miss the guy driving coming through he's just something happened to where he's slowed up i mean it could be they jumped the buck and they're trying to circle back around it so like a lot of times people will sit there and they start to get like uh should i leave should i go back to the Mm -hmm. truck or anything like that just like always stay put because that's where they know you are once you start wandering off they don't know where you are anymore so that's you know one of the safety things yeah that can Um, be dangerous right the other thing is a lot a lot of this comes down to your basic gun safety knowledge Mm -hmm. not you know don't shoot at a deer running across the skyline don't shoot a deer back at where those, you know, the drivers are coming from, yeah. you know, know what's what your target is and what's beyond your target. Know what you can hit if you miss. No, you know what I mean? Those yeah. types of things. And in the grand scheme of things, it sounds way more dangerous than it is, but you have to know the guys in your group. That's a big part of it. Like knowing or knowing somebody there that you you know they want to have somebody there that's not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've we done them during rifle season, and we did them last year during rifle season, and we weren't really a big fan of that. So we kind of made the rule this year that if we are doing them during rifle season, we're using muzzle loaders. It's just – or a shotgun, yeah. you know, something like that. Um, like I said to you before, a guy's going to think a lot more about his shot if he's got one. Yeah, that's true. And then when you think about the capabilities of shotguns and muzzle loaders too, it's your distance, 
your range effectiveness kind of decreases. So it, it mm-hmm. kind of gives you a little bit more. I, right. I would imagine that as the guy that's walking, trying to push, it probably gives you a little bit more uh, uh, sound security in the mind yeah. as well. Right. And you don't really need to shoot. Like, I don't think we've ever shot a deer past 60, 70 yards during drives. You know, anyway, mm-hmm. you're usually set up where they're going to come through pretty close. Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, I mean, the safety aspect of it, I can see, like, when you look from the outside, it seems like it can be, and it all goes back to, like, we're just a bunch of jagaloots running through the woods chasing deer, (laughs) zinging bullets around, and that's not what it is. It's not. It's, uh, you know, it's no, I shouldn't, I might get crap for this. It's no different than really thinking about where you're going to go sit in a tree, you know, when it comes down to really figuring it out. It's a craft that you put your time if you're successful at it it takes a lot of time thinking about how you're going to attack that chunk of woods or whatever it may be um now you kind of spoke earlier you talked about somebody being a sitter are there different like positions if you will like a you know, is there like a gun, like, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about football terms, like oh, there, there gunners or like outside guys, <laughs> like, yeah. are, or is it just super simple? Yeah. So usually we'll try to, it depends on what you're pushing once again, but have your sitters and your drivers. Okay. So you're setting guys up in, for the most part, escape routes that you think the deer are going to take. Yeah. And those are your sitters. And then your drivers are coming through. And then meeting up with the sitters, then you bail out, reconvene, do another one. And usually you're rotating, you know, through mm-hmm. that, being a driver, being a sitter. And, you know, driving deer too is also like a lot of times the drivers are the reason the sitters are successful. It's not because the sitters are just in the right spot. It's the drivers, you know, zigging it. Not if you just walk a straight line through the woods, especially if you're going after a buck, they're going to go whoop right back through you like yeah. you know thinking about what you're doing working you know coming up to a ridge and if you have a knob that you think makes sense that there'd be a buck on like attacking that so that deer will you know go down to your sitters exit out the back way instead of trying to go right, around right because we have a lot that squeak through and you know most times they're going right back the way we came from and they're oh, sliding yeah. between you know the drivers going back to where you just came from um yeah. that's what i was saying earlier if you if if you're if you're wondering if something's going wrong and you feel like you need to move just to sit tight because that'll happen and guys will you know mm-hmm. maybe cut back off and try to get you know push them back through um we had one do that in ohio the first year i went and he was a big big buck and he just i mean like a rabbit just so low to the ground just going right back through us Jeez. um so i think a lot a lot of times too is people you bite off more than you can chew yeah when you're looking at like a scale and it's we've found that's way better to take that and just shrink it down and mm-hmm. cover as much of those gaps that you can because if you can be efficient and know that there's probably a pretty good chance that those deer aren't squirting back through or getting out other ways you may not get as many drives in in a day and like not hit as much of an area but you know the areas you're hitting you're being efficient with them and there's a good chance that those deer are getting driven through you know where your where your sitters are now i'm assuming sitters are the only ones with the guns right like your 
what would you call them runners or people or drivers drivers they uh, does anybody there have a gun or yeah usually okay usually so like um, if one slips out the back they can turn around and get a shot yeah a okay. lot of times drivers get get good shots like at deer um because of that reason no actually that one that we killed last year jake was a driver and he did that that buck did that and he squirted out the back and jake got a shot at him he ended up missing him mm-hmm. and we killed that buck the next time we did drives in there so um yeah but like once again it's the safe you're not gonna one jumps up in front of you and is running towards your sitters you ain't gonna start cranking you know shots at them Mm -hmm. it's all a lot of it's your judgment and you know just being smart yeah i've never i've never been on one where i felt like this is a bad situation Mm -hmm. what i mean or like i'm don't feel safe um well that 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 comes down to who you're doing it with like you were talking about earlier like making sure you've got good sound guys that you know trust and there's not a loose cannon in the group you know because yeah that could be dangerous for everybody right everybody yeah 100 percent. i mean i say the same thing with waterfowl hunting you know you're talking about deer driving and guys you know all these guys with guns and is just a couple years ago i really started thinking about like when we get these bigger groups of duck hunting and it's like you know in the grand scheme of things i'm showing up in the pitch black to a field and a bunch of dudes that i don't really know with guns you know and it's just like you think about it it's just like i mean you try not to think that way but it's just like man i get you know that's why we don't like doing that yeah you know i like to know who i'm around when they have guns so that's true we 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 overlook it a lot as hunters you mm-hmm. know, because we're so used to them. Um, well, hell, but, I went dove hunting a few years ago on uh, this, I forget, it's like called Wings of Texas shooting. Like you can do leases mm-hmm. and you're sharing like a dove lease with people you don't know. Right. We had these, like a, I don't know, a group of four or five split between me and one hunter. And the bird was flying just low enough that I guess the... <laughs> The jack wagon didn't think about me, and I mean, luckily he shot far enough in front of me. But I was pulling a shot out of my leg. I mean, he was <laughs> he was just far enough away. It was like it was like it just buried like in the surface, right. and I was pulling shots out of my leg for like a week. I was yeah. pissed. I mean, it's just like you gotta be right. care- you gotta be careful about that stuff, man. Oh I mean, yeah, safety's yeah. the big thing. And so I feel I feel like we've covered a pretty good portion of that. What I kind of want to get into is, um, you know how do you know you have enough guys? Like how big of a piece of property are y'all going after a woodlot? Like is mm-hmm. it 40 acres, 80 acres? How many guys do you have to have, you know, pending on the size? Like what's, what's the game plan or math behind that? I guess. Right. So I, de- it depends on, you know, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, usually we roll with, when we do our drives and muzzleloader season, we usually have, I'd say, 10, 8 to 10 guys. Yeah. And that's the biggest piece where – I guess the, it depends on how you look at the – like the overall piece is mm-hmm. maybe big, but we're driving probably – 
60-acre chunk with that, maybe. So y'all are maybe. breaking it. Y'all are going to break down, like, say, a 200-acre. Right. We'll break down acre. chunks of that, you know, piece. Okay. We've done them. The craziest drives I've ever done was in Pennsylvania. Well, I'm not going to say where it was. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it might give away. So cut that out if you can. Don't tell. Yeah, no, don't tell where. <laughs> so we did these drives on islands and they're not very big, but they're thick and nasty. Okay. And we'll drive, we'll do four to five drives on that Island. And it's not like by not very big, pro, you know, it's just not very big. Yeah. So it's narrow. And so what we'll do is we'll actually stack the deer up because they don't want to leave the island. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't have to, they will. Like they'll leave it. But so we look at the wind. We go in on boats. We drop our sitters off, and then the drivers go down. They push up to the sitters, grab the boats, go around, drop them off, push. And by the last drive, like on that island, you've pushed all the deer up to that last point. So now they're all hold up on the point of the island and then you come through and it's just like it's out of control (laughs) and it's super thick and it's like deer running by you at like five yards you know through the brush and stuff and the best one i wasn't there for it but they did that on the one island they shot five does and two like really nice bucks yeah and that was six guys okay okay so, and then, you know, in Ohio, when we go out there, usually we have, that one's hard because there's camera guys and usually there's like probably about the same 12, 12 guys that are participating in the drive. Camera guy isn't just a camera guy then. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one's Zach from, he, he's done uh, from the hunting public. Yeah. That one that he does is. It's taken some years, but like, it's, you know, he's, that's where I'm talking about, like really thinking about what you're doing and those ones they're targeting bucks because you mm-hmm. can't shoot does mm-hmm. during that, that, uh, that time frame. So that's just a completely different thought process. Yeah. You know, just trying to shoot deer to trying to shoot a mature buck. When it comes to approaching some of these woodlots, you talked about your wind earlier on, so I'm assuming y'all are figuring out where you want to approach this due to the wind. Mm-hmm. You're dropping off your sitters from there, and then I'm assuming your drivers are probably going with the face in, or I mean, going into the wind, having their face into the wind. Why can't I see Usually, <laughs> They got the wind in their face, you know what I'm saying? Usually, so, yeah, I mean, that's another thing, too. You got to think about being able to get your guys into what, the spots for them to sit without blowing the drive, Mm -hmm. you know, because of your wind. Usually like if we're attacking it from like a wind bump scenario, which is, I would say for the most part is more of like what we're doing, like a wind bump. Yeah. So like we're trying to push, that was like how I was saying, we don't want the deer like flying out of there. Right. So like we're trying to push them more with the scent of us coming through so they're squirting out the back. They're not hmm. like, we're not trying to scare them all the time. Okay. You know? So like we're going, we're put our sitters in, they're set up. So the wind's good for them. So they're not blowing back into the drive. 
right? Ah. So picture a bedding area. Yeah. You know, you have a bedding area. Yeah. You got your sitters on the outside of the bedding area in here. That are down route. downwind of it. Yeah. So there you gotta make sure their wind's going out and not coming back up into it. Cause if it goes back up into it, then your deer are gonna be running back into yeah. your drivers. Yeah. Then the drivers are coming through trying to push the deer with obviously noise or walking through but ultimately you can push a deer that's probably can't hear you that's deeper into that bedding area with just the scent of you going through there and then they pop out you know and they're looking back because they smelled you then you have your sitter there and they're not freaked out they're they're freaked they're trying to escape but they're not bolting out of there like you just you know we're ringing a cowbell in their ear or something yeah. like that um so yeah, there's, you know, you got to think about, there's more than just jumping in the woods and running through it. Oh yeah. Uh, so I mean like we, uh, the drivers aren't just going out there and just screaming and hooping and hollering and. I mean, there's guys that do that for sure. Okay. Like there, that's, there is like, that is a style of it for sure. Okay. Um, that's not the style that we, we do. I've been involved in those. Like we used, when I was younger, um, when we would do deer drives, it was like, let's get these things moving. And like, we were never like, we'd shoot deer, but we were never like super successful because those things were scared as hell coming out of there oh, and they're running, <laughs> running like crazy. I mean, I shot my first deer on a deer drive. Did you really? Yeah. So yep. it's in your blood, man. It, it is yeah. in your blood. Yeah. We shot two bucks. My, I was sitting next to my uncle and we uh, just drove this piece we called we'd always hunt monday and we'd sit all day monday and then tuesday was always my favorite because it's like we're gonna see deer because we're gonna go walking oh, yeah. and when i was younger that was like yeah like let's go scare some deer around and uh we did this drive we always called it the gut so we actually pushed them across the road and me and my uncle were sitting there and like 15 deer came out and it was like really nice eight point and uh a five point and it was my first year being able to carry a gun my uncle's like you get first shot and like i cracked one off at that eight point and who knows where it ended up like didn't hit him and then like immediately my uncle like shoots and drops him Jeez. And this other buck just standing there because he didn't know where we were he knew he was getting scared from that way and he didn't know where to go yeah and ithaca deer slayer was the right or the shotgun so no it was shotgun only where i yeah. grew up and i had i shot at that 5.4 more times missed reloaded my gun and hit him on my fifth shot <laughs> but you got it that, and that was my first my first deer actually i shot my second buck doing deer drives too and i was a driver mm-hmm. so um i came up behind this pond drainage and climbed up over the top of it and he was just bedded right there, like twenty yards. And I shot him in his bed. So, yeah, I've been doing, I guess, deer drives for twenty years. Man, what about? I know there's probably some guys out there just listening. Like, I'm not gonna go blowing through my main deer area to do this. Blah blah right. blah, where my ladder stands are and everything. Like, mm-hmm. are y'all concerned about that? Because it's so late in the season and it's pretty much <laughs> the end. Yeah, usually we we do a lot of them at the tail end of everything. Yeah. Like, we do our ones um, up here. It's the last day of muzzleloader season before we have, um, you know, that holiday hunt. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it's for the most part, it's usually the tail end. I mean, it's definitely something to, to worry about. Um, we actually, you know, <clears throat> um, very well this past weekend, we always have what we call our doe fest up at, uh, Eric Hansen's farm where we basically go up and and shoot as many does as we can through different pieces of property just because there's so many of them yeah and the guys Hampshire come out and it's just kind of like our year-end gathering um well there's this big it's well now we know it's a buck but it had like it's like they're thinking it's like 10 or 12 years old they've had pictures of it forever it's got like giant spikes and it always hung out with a group of does the bases on it are like you know just huge thing is crazy dressed out at like 185 pounds (laughs) anyway chris shot this so the guy like eric and them they've never wanted to shoot it because it's their buck tag so when the guys from new hampshire come out they get a buck tag with their license so that's always been like one of the targets like let's try to kill this thing Mm -hmm. because guys aren't going to shoot a buck anyway so you can put your buck tag on it so Chris shoots this thing and basically just had bullet malfunctions and hit her like right, you know, in the shoulder, broke her shoulder, but never penetrated into her body cavity. What? And uh, anyway, so she goes into their sanctuary <laughs> and she was alive. So they've, we were able to participate in the first ever deer drive up there that like they never walked through that woods and i think they kicked out like 20 some deer wow so the moral of this is they did it once eric actually hunted there last night and all those deer back in there and there was you know eight guys that stomped through that and pushed them all out now if you did that two three four times it's probably going to be a different story yeah Um, but um a lot of it too is you know the the way that you're doing it you know think about how like if you if you blow a deer going to your stand it's not you know like a lot of people a lot of people are like oh that's it he's gone forever like it's probably not no blow him and if you blow him there for three times like yeah he's probably gonna be thinking about it a little bit more um now if you go in there raising hell and you know making a bunch of racket and like really scaring the crap out of them it might be a little bit different of a story but if you're just kind of methodically going through there i mean he's probably they're probably going to be back now i'm not saying that yeah. i want to run through the woods where i'm planning on sitting right you know over and over that's again. true so i think we we usually try to do them towards the tail end tail end of everything but yeah heritage you know like jake his like that's how they opening day rifle season mm-hmm. that's what they do they've done that forever they don't go sit they do deer drives no kidding that's what they do every year well you know it, it i'm thinking back on my question it, it kind of gets you thinking like i mean heck i'm sure y'all have seen it where somebody shoots a deer one night from a stand right mm-hmm. like we're, we're not talking deer drives right now somebody shoots something out of a tree stand ladder stand box blind whatever it is the whole crew goes in there everybody's hooping and hollering everybody it's happy, you know, truck comes in there, you know, everybody loads the deer up. Next morning, there's a booner in there, you know, right. or the deer, there's plenty of deer still in there or whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes total sense. I mean, yeah, I would assume as soon as you're, as long as you're not going in there and 
just going crazy or something that mm-hmm. yeah they're gonna right. be back yeah be usually back. we hit a spot and that's it like we're hitting that mm-hmm. and we're getting the most out of it and then we're not going back yeah yeah okay. that makes sense what are some <laughs> other other considerations to think about or other things <laughs> when it comes to deer drives that we may not have covered so far um i think a big one is just that outside of the hunting side of it it's just fun yeah like let your hair down relax get with your buddies bs it's super social um you know you get the right group of guys we all are helping each other get deer out like mm-hmm. i that's why i like like it a lot is just like i'm not sitting in i mean and granted we film everything so like we always have we always have somebody in the stand with us but i've sat my butt in a tree for two months like i'm ready to get out and have like just have fun you know like let, just get out and hunt and have fun let, um, let the old cheeks get a little walking in yeah like let's walk around and and yeah just have it's just fun yeah. you get to see deer um i think it's it's a good way for new hunters to not maybe like younger hunters to see like it's not like hey i'm gonna take you deer hunting and stick you in the stand you're gonna freeze your butt off and yeah you're gonna see a deer mm-hmm. you're not gonna see a deer here it's like you know with your kids not saying that they need to be hunting in them but like taking them and like showing them that the camaraderie of hunters together working together and it's i always think it's cool because it's when you kill them it's it's a team effort right so yeah. like everybody's successful in it you know um and we all help each other out and it's just a you know it's it's a fun good way that we love to wrap up our our seasons doing um other than that i think you know like we talked about just like you looking looking at it in a methodical way just Mm -hmm. as you would trying to find a rut funnel you know to sit over in a tree stand or whatever if you look at them that way they can be really a really good way to kill a buck that's dang hard to kill yeah Uh, if you can pinpoint buck bedding areas or like where you think a buck is bedded or know a chunk that a buck is in and he's not doing the thing that you want him to be doing Mm -hmm. it's a good way to make him do something that you want him to do um you know a lot of the stuff that we're hunting is public ground that has just been pounded for off gun season. We're still pulling out those, you know, good bucks here and there that have evaded people for the last, you know, however many days, 30 days of pressure, 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 pressure. Like he's not, he ain't getting up an hour before dark and waltzing around. Like he's not doing that. That's so, true. That's true. Um, what else? I mean, same with Ohio, like those deer have been getting hunted forever and, you know, you're still able to be successful on stuff that probably wasn't going to get, you probably weren't going to have a shot at. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's great for doe management areas too, oh, yeah. you know, where you've got, you know, these big pockets of does that need to be managed and, you know, if on public ground or private ground or whatever it is it's it's a great way to do that i mean we don't you know i talk about that our doe fest and you know we're lucky there that that's all a bunch of 
unpressured deer so we can just sit and we know they're going to come out you know but there's pockets on these public pieces where it's just like crazy amounts of does like nobody's shooting does um and in new york you know if we get our our bow tag and our muzzleloader tag we get an antlerless bow muzz tag so that's good for any zone so those zones that you can't get doe tags in or whatever you could still use that tag and it's a way to to you know like i know where i live i can only get one doe tag here and there's spots where it's like there's needs to be more more than a couple doses to get shot needs to be Uh, some doe management yeah for sure yeah a lot of places, a lot of these places, people don't want to shoot does because it's a pain in the butt to get them out. They don't want to do the work to get them out. Um, so it's, I look at it as it's a great way to spend time with friends and family mm-hmm. and, you know, have a good time, you know, get more meat. I mean, that's a big, big part of why we do it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we eat in our house six or seven deer a year. So, I obviously can't kill them with my bow, so I need to get them chased, chased around to get shots at them. You got, you got to fire up some gunpowder for that. You got to get that done. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's this has been a real enlightening podcast for me because um, it's not that I thought deer drives was just a bunch of hooligans in the woods right. walking around aimlessly shooting. It's just it was so foreign to me. I just didn't understand mm-hmm. how they worked, and so I mean, there's definitely a process, definitely strategy behind it, and I got to say, after podcasting with you about this, like, man, I want to figure out how to go and do that one day because it's it, it sounds like a lot of fun. Just like you said, it's a way to just let your hair down and not worry about the pressure so much. It's like mm-hmm. you're going to see a deer. We're here to essentially get meat unless there's a buck tag in, in the group. But right. It just sounds like a really good time to go out in the woods and hunt, man. And there's one way that you can experience it if you ever want to come out. How's that? Cool. We can, uh, we can, we can make that happen. Well, dude, we might have to put that on the calendar one of these days. We just <laughs> might have to do that. Texas guy up to, uh, to some Northeastern shenanigans <laughs> up here and chasing deer around. Dude, I, I would be up for that in a heartbeat, man. <laughs> I would be. Well, dude, yeah. I appreciate you hopping on the podcast. I know we're about time out of time here. So tell the listeners yeah. real quick, if they want to follow you or the just hunt club, guy, you know, the whole crew, tell everybody about y'all. Yeah, so we are putting up videos pretty much all through the fall, spring, uh, turkey, whitetail, waterfowl, the whole nine there. Um, you can find us at Just Hunt Club across all platforms, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and hopefully soon we'll be doing one of these two. We're in the, in the, in the works of start getting a podcast going. So, Heck yeah. Um, yeah, reach out, questions, follow along and so we we travel you know and and do stuff in different parts of the country but we uh we like to uh showcase kind of what we got going on up here in the northeast so heck yeah dude do you have a ig page yourself i do i don't post on it (laughs) i think i posted on it come on two thanksgivings ago is the last time i posted on it but that's just at hold on (laughs) you you can tell you're not that ig guy who yeah i uh I'm not a huge social media guy. Sometimes I wish I wasn't. Oh, it's important. J Lewis 92. All right. So that's, that's that. But yeah, everybody on our group, you know, for the most part has their own personal stuff too. Um, I wouldn't say we're the best on 
on uh, posting on that stuff as much as we are on. Camera guy yeah. Chris cracks me up, so that's uh, some of the stuff yeah. he does. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. he's going to be a big part of the podcast for that reason. Yes. So. <laughs> Might have to do uh, a little collab there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Heck yeah, yeah Chris is uh, Chris is a good uh, sense of humor in this industry for sure. Yes, he is. So. <laughs> He's a good character. Yeah. Well, man, appreciate your time today hopping on the podcast, bringing some awareness to deer drives for some Southerners like myself and anybody else that's just yeah. unfamiliar with it, dude. So, dude, appreciate your time. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. We'll have to do it again. Sounds good. All right, y'all. There you go. If you haven't known much about deer drives before, hopefully you are more informed today and learned a lot about deer drives in general from John. I mean, I did myself and I want to go on one now and hopefully that is the same perspective and viewpoint you have too. We all have different means and methods of hunting and this is one of those means and methods that haven't done myself, haven't experienced and I hope to maybe next year with the guys at Justin Hunt Club. You never know. So again, y'all, thanks again for the support and tuning into this week's episode of the Let's Stand Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one.